Well, it is a real privilege to welcome all of you to Pathway. We're so glad that you're here. I know you're excited to see the kids. We've got a lot of parents, a lot of grandparents here, and it's all about the kids. And I know it's all about the kids because it's obvious that it's all about the kids because most of you usually sit a lot further back, for one thing. And uh, just a few moments ago, all of you had your phones out, your phone cameras out, pointed up at the stage, and I don't see a single camera right now. Nobody is pointing your camera at me, and I saw a bunch of you waving, and nobody's waving anymore. And so I have no dispersions. I know exactly what this has been about. But uh, this is a season when we're thinking about making room, and we're thinking specifically today about, about hope. And, uh, and I want to just talk for a few minutes with you about that topic, and, uh, and then we'll sing just a little more, and, and we'll be done. We're so glad that you are here. I'm wondering if there is something that you are hoping for in terms of a Christmas gift this particular season. I'm sure that somebody's asked you by now, what would, what would you like for Christmas, right? You get asked that question. And I'm told that men are notoriously bad at making lists and uh, telling the people that love them and want to buy them a gift that men are particularly bad at making lists for other people. And I suppose maybe that's true. So much so, in fact, that women have started to make men's Christmas lists for them. In fact, I was reading in Red Book Magazine the other day. <laughs> Don't ask why I was reading in Red Book Magazine the other day, but, but I was, and there was this article. The article was written by a woman, and it was, Here's What Men Really Want for Christmas which I thought was kind of interesting that it was a woman writing the article, but she said, what men really want for Christmas are practical gifts like windshield wiper blades. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's really what we want. And, and while you're out buying those gifts, could you also please get us an extra timing belt and, and maybe oil filter as, as well? She went on to say that another thing that men really want for Christmas is a sock subscription and matching ugly sweaters. That's what she said. And if you look at those matching ugly sweaters closely, you can see they are wrong on so many different levels. <laughs> Guys, I think we need to go ahead and come up with our own lists or else some of these things might be in your stocking or under the tree this season. Now there's another magazine that actually went the other way to say what women really want for Christmas. And what the article actually said was that women know, unlike men oftentimes, women know exactly what they want for Christmas, but they're not going, guys, they're not going to make you a list because if you really care for them, you will know. All right? And I see some head nods going on out there, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, that, that's kind of true, isn't it? At least that's how it used to be. This year, there's a new survey out. It says that women's number one gift, at least 84% of women say, what they want is not jewelry. They don't want perfume. What they want is a gift card. Because they're tired of taking back the gifts that we've been buying them, apparently, all these years, and they just want to cut out the middleman, and they just want to go buy what they want in the first place. All right, so I don't know what exactly you're hoping for this season, but I want to think with you a little bit about hope, about that word hope, about getting a gift. Well, yeah, in, in some senses, but I want to go further than that and think about what this word hope really is all about because some of you here today would say hope that's that's my word I'm, I'm a very hopeful person in fact there's nothing that happens that that steals my hope if something bad happens then that's just fine with me because I know that something good is going to follow right up on it and that's some of you 
And the rest of you are like hoping that those people will go away because that's not how you see it. It's not that you don't like those people. It's just that your experience maybe has been a little bit different than that. Maybe there have been some circumstances where you've been hoping quite a bit and and the thing that you've been hoping for hasn't exactly happened. Maybe for you it's been something to do with with a career. If you've been hoping for maybe a better career or a promotion in the job that you're in, because then you could maybe make ends meet just a little bit better and provide just a little more than what you've been able to for your family. Or maybe for you it's got to do with the relationship in, in the family, or maybe a promise that was made to you in the family, and so far that hasn't been kept very well. Or maybe for you it has to do with something to do with God, where you feel like you've gone out on a limb for Him, or like He had made some promise to you, or you read some promise somewhere, and you've been, been waiting for that to come through for you. And so far you don't see it. And as all of these things continue to move on, or as we make our way further down the road and the things don't seem to be getting fulfilled, doubt oftentimes comes in. And we struggle and we wrestle with exactly where we are in relationship with God, in relationship to the things that otherwise we would be hoping for. I know that can feel like a very lonely place to be, but the truth is you're not alone. Because the truth is that there are other people who are listening right now who are in that same situation. They've also been hoping for something. In fact, it's, it's something that's always been the case. You can look all the way back to the very first Christmas. And the way that that time was described is a time of darkness, a time of despair, a time of hopelessness for many, discouragement. There were people who needed something to hope in, and the interesting thing was that they had it. There was a hope that had been promised to them, but as days turned into weeks and weeks into months and months into years, they started wondering, as most all of us would, if that promise was ever going to be fulfilled or if it was just words. Because when there's delay, hope tends to wane. And that might be where you are in relationship to some things that are going on in your life today. The promise these people were waiting for was someone who would come and save them from the oppression that they were experiencing, and they had a name for that person that they were waiting for back in those days. They called Him the Messiah. The Messiah is the one that they were waiting for. Messiah is a Hebrew word. It means the anointed one. It means the chosen one. One. And the Jewish people had been looking for the arrival of the chosen one for a very long time. And they were confident that he was coming because all of the Old Testament prophets spoke of his coming. They spoke of his arrival. And one of the best known of all of those in that day, and it will be to your ears also, comes from Isaiah. Here's what Isaiah wrote. Chapter 9, the people walking in darkness, remember that's the sort of circumstance they were living in, have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There was a clear prophecy 
and everybody knew who it was talking about. It was talking about this coming Messiah. Now, there were some differences of opinion on exactly who he would be when he arrived, but Isaiah may just give us a little bit of a clue that maybe we've missed in the past. And I want to show you this. If you look at the beginning of verse 6 there, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And on the surface, it kind of sounds like he's just saying the same thing, just with different words. A child is born and a son is given. It's the same thing, just spoken differently. And it could be that, but could it also be that through God's Spirit's inspiration of the words that Isaiah was writing, that the Spirit intended us to understand something that might even go a little bit deeper than that. It's true that the child would be born. The whole Christmas narrative is about Jesus coming into our world. It was one who came into humanity, was born of a human mother, Mary. There's no doubt that Jesus came as a human. He came as one who was fully human. But it's not just that. It goes beyond that. And when Isaiah writes then, to us a son is given, is that just another statement of him saying, yeah, he was human? Or might there be something just a little bit more in that? Is it possible that the son who is being spoken of here by Isaiah isn't just Mary's son, but if he's actually talking about God's son, about Jesus, Because Jesus didn't cease being God when he came into our world. He came as fully God as well. And Jesus' ultimate purpose in coming to this earth, of course, was to die for mankind, was to go to the cross on our behalf so that he might take sin out of the way for us as he went to the cross as our representative. And as one who is fully human, he went as an appropriate representative for us because if he wasn't fully human, then he couldn't represent mankind because he wasn't one of us. But if he wasn't also fully divine, then his death would have meant something for him, obviously, but it wouldn't have had the power and the authority to do something supernatural on our behalf to be able to be a full representative of all of us, yet have the power to overcome that which all of us were subject to. That's how it all comes together. And that's who Jesus came to be, for sure. Had to be fully God and fully man. The child had to be born. The son had to be given. Could it be that Isaiah is actually giving us all of that truth wrapped up in just the way he establishes this prophecy. Now, the promise was clear, but the waiting was hard, and weeks turned into months, and months turned into years for these people, and years turned into decades, and decades actually turned into hundreds of years. In fact, from the time when Isaiah wrote until Jesus actually arrived was about 700 years. That's how long they've been waiting. And as the waiting went on and on, Many started to lose hope. Many doubted. The interesting thing is that regardless of whether the person doubted and lost hope or remained steadfast in their hope, the reality of the circumstance itself was the same. Regardless of what their perspective was, Jesus was coming. And he was coming in the fullness of time, we're told in the Scriptures. The difference was that those who threw in the towel on hope were blinded by their own doubt and despair. 
so that when Jesus did come, they never overcame the doubt that they allowed to arise. They took on a new perspective, one that said, I have lost my hope, and therefore when the promise arrives, I'm not going to be in a place to receive it. I'm not going to be in a place to see it. And that can happen for us too. That we can put ourselves in such a place that we, we start to allow doubt to creep in because of a delay that has happened so that when the fullness of time comes for us, when God provides the response, the answer, the promise, the hope that we've been waiting for, if we've already set our hearts against it, we won't even see it. We'll fail to experience it which is very different from allowing our hope to be sustained. And we can do so because God has made a promise to us that He is going to carry it on to completion. This season at Pathway, we're working to make room, make room for Jesus. It's it's easy to crowd Him out in this season just because of the busyness. We talked about that last week if you were here. But it's also easy to crowd Him out because of doubt. If you live denying God is present or concerned or will meet you in your need, you won't be willing to see it when He does meet the need. Instead, we need to make room in our hearts, in our minds, to see what He is up to, to trust that He is going to provide, even if it's been delaying for oh so very long. We need to make room to hope expectantly. We tend to think that challenge or delay is a barrier to hope and that it demonstrates that God isn't keeping up His end of the bargain, but that's not true. The truth is that challenges and delays are actually a catalyst of hope. If we had everything provided in the moment that we wanted it and we desired it, what that would do is make us people who feel entitled. If it always happened right when we said it should happen, then we would feel that it's essentially all about us. We have a sense of privilege. It's something that we're owed, and sometimes we do think that. And that's why delay can get under our skin, is because we think somehow we've been wronged when the response that we desire, when the answer to the difficulty or the pain or the problem doesn't happen in our, we've been wronged, and we can push God aside, and when we do that, we start to lose hope. And we'll set ourselves up in a place where we'll miss it even when it comes. If there's any place it seems these days that hope would be waning or diminished or hard to find, it seems that that would be Ukraine. They are just about at the 10-month anniversary of the start of that war. And there's been so much hardship There have been families who have been separated. You've seen the news. It's very actively going on today. There have been lives that have been lost. There are other atrocities that they have been suffering as well. It's a very dark time, to be sure, with ample cause for despair. But what you tend to hear coming from Ukraine, or often hear coming, are stories of hope. Not just hope in that some Russian offensive has been repelled, though there's an encouragement to be found in that. But a hope that's running deeper still than that. 
One Ukrainian aid worker said, this hope is beyond battles, beyond fears, beyond the atrocity of the day. It points to Jesus, our ultimate hope. And many are finding their hope today in Ukraine in Jesus. One news site told the story of the director of an orphanage in Ukraine who was in charge of 50-some orphans. And on one particular occasion, they needed to go and make their way into a bomb shelter because of all of what was going on around them. And she told these young ones, children and teens, that they could bring one special item with them. She knew that it was going to be important for them to have some sort of some comfort item, something they were familiar with that meant something to them to bring it along. And once they got settled and things were at peace just a little bit, she, she asked them what the item was that they brought, expecting, of course, to see stuffed animals and maybe a photo or maybe a special blanket. She said instead, one by one, these children and teens started to pull out their Bibles. That's what they brought. That's where they were finding a deep hope and a deep comfort and a deep peace. Delays and obstacles don't mean there's anything wrong or that God is forgotten. It means that He's waiting for a more perfect moment for Him to bring that, to allow that, to lead that into our lives, to take us the place that He ultimately would desire us to go. And when that happens in conjunction with you, hoping expectingly, it leads to blessing <coughs> and a deepening of our faith. The psalmist knew a little something about struggling through challenge and difficulty, pain and problem. And here's what one of them wrote. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Regardless of how difficult life circumstances had become, he knew that he could put his hope in God and that a moment was coming when he was going to experience his deliverance. So he's already giving praise and honor to God. And we can take on that same perspective. Even before the answer comes, we can hope expectantly that God is going to provide because he's proven again and again that he will and that he does. And we can give our praise and our honor even ahead of experiencing the fullness because we're hoping expectantly for we know that God is a God who answers. He is a God of love and He is a God who will meet you in the midst of whatever your need is. So let us, friends, make room to hope expectantly. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the promise that we see in your word. We thank you that again and again we see how you meet us in our need. We don't always understand why there's a delay. We don't always understand why we have to go through the pain and go through the issues. But Father, even though that they are there, 
through the sin that is present in our world, we thank you even more so that you are there, that you love us, that you provide, that you meet us in our every need. So I pray for these friends of mine. I pray for the circumstances that we are facing. And I would ask that you would give us courage. I would ask that you would give us strength. I would ask you would give us perspective that we can look and see that again and again and again, according to your perfect timing and your perfect purposes, you meet us in our need. So Lord, we lay our need down before you, desiring to create in ourselves and our spirit and our heart that we would make room for patience, that we'd make room for understanding, that we'd make room for hope, knowing that whatever the circumstance, you will meet us in our need. So Lord, we make room now to hope expectantly in Jesus' name. Amen.